Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. There's a hospital in the Castro in San Francisco called California Pacific Medical Center Davies. But it was once simply known as the German Hospital. Bay Curious listener Ken Katz learned this a few years back, and it got him thinking about something else he's noticed. I work at Kaiser Permanente in San Francisco, and one of our campuses is the French campus. And the reason it's called the French campus is it's the site of the former French hospital. Mount Zion was originally funded by the Jewish community, and the Chinese hospital still operates independently. I'm wondering, when did this pattern of ethnic hospitals in San Francisco begin? What was the impetus for it? And when did they start losing their ethnic orientation, or maybe some of them, like the Chinese hospital, haven't yet? Today on Big Curious, we're hitting the books to learn why so many of San Francisco's early hospitals were started by ethnic or religious groups. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Stay with us. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you, whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org podcasts. And thanks. Many of San Francisco's early hospitals were founded by religious orders or ethnic groups to take care of their own. Bay Curious producer Katrina Schwartz dug into why and what changed. The story of San Francisco's hospitals can't be separated from the story of the mass migration of people from all over the world during the gold rush. Back then, doctors weren't especially reputable. The primary source of care before hospitals was in the home. And if you were able to and wanted to, because not everybody did, you might hire a doctor to come to your home or a surgeon to come to your home and perform their practices on you at that point. Aaron Jackson is getting his Ph.D. in the history of health sciences at UCSF. He says many gold seekers came to California without their families, so there was no one to care for them if they got sick. Maritime hospitals were some of the first institutions to tackle the problem. Sailors are obviously away from their families. I mean, some of these sailing expeditions could last years. And if they got sick, well, the ship would have to still continue on, but the sailor would have to have a place to stay. 
In San Francisco, charitable organizations, often religious ones, stepped up to help control the spread of diseases like cholera and smallpox. The hospital being attached to the religious element or to the ethnic group is something that goes back centuries in Western Europe and that was inherited by the United States from the earliest days. The first hospital in San Francisco was the French Hospital, established in 1851 by the French Benevolent Society. The Catholic Church soon sent a group of Irish nuns to establish Sisters of Mercy in 1854. More soon followed. Because people surged into San Francisco from all over the world, many did not yet identify as American. They considered themselves French, German, Chinese, or Mexican. And they formed societies around those home country identities and languages to help one another out in a new city that had few services. The name of hospital comes from hospice. It was more a site of care, as in general care, rather than medicine. In just a few years, some of those immigrants to San Francisco were making good money. That's when they'd start donating back to their church or benevolent society. The primary goal, in my opinion, of those hospitals and those benevolent societies at the time was to reflect well upon the founders and help them with their social standing. And those benevolent societies not only funded hospitals, they also served as welcoming committees, undertakers, basically a social safety net. All groups formed societies to help one another, but only those hailing from Europe tapped into that social standing that Aaron Jackson talks about. San Francisco's early Jewish community was surprised by the relatively warm welcome they received. Their trajectory offers an example of how charity and respectability went hand in hand. Everybody kind of came and established San Francisco from scratch. And so the Jews have a unique experience here. My name is Judy Leff, and I'm very interested in San Francisco history, um, particularly the history of my own community, which is the Jewish community. Judy says the first wave of Jewish people immigrating to San Francisco were mostly from Bavaria in Germany. They were looking for greater economic freedom in California. What they discover is that these miners have a lot of needs. I mean, this is an industry that springs up almost overnight. The Jewish immigrants were skilled at moving goods over large distances. They had been bankers and merchants. They were poised for success in the new San Francisco. So the very things they're limited to in Europe allow them to become successful rather quickly out here in California. They also found early San Francisco to be relatively tolerant of their faith which wasn't the case elsewhere. You don't have a lot of religion and you don't have a lot of law. So, yeah, I think it's just like, can you, can you do the work or can you help us do the work? Great. They're not so concerned at first with being terribly moralistic. Jewish entrepreneurs prospered and were welcomed into the San Francisco establishment. Judy says they wanted to give back to the city that gave them so many opportunities. They also want the reputation of the Jewish community to be held in high esteem. This is very important to the Jews because this is a new experience for them to be in San Francisco and to be regarded so well. And they want to keep up appearances. Jewish names grace civic buildings and spaces all over the city, like Fleischacker Pool, Stern Grove, and Hellman Hollow. They think California is Zion. They don't understand why anybody would go anywhere else. The world is their kosher oyster. When a prominent family lost their son to typhoid at the poorly run state hospital, the Jewish community decided it was time to invest in health. 
They founded Mount Zion Hospital in 1887 with the express purpose of serving San Franciscans of all faiths, not only the Jewish population. It started with just 12 beds. Being Jewish doesn't just mean going in temple and opening the prayer book and knowing all the right melodies and knowing what foods to eat. It's about what you do in the world, how you take what you learn and how you express that in the world, not just your own world. While European immigrants got to show off their wealth and prestige through charitable hospitals, there was another group in San Francisco that wanted their own health clinic, but for entirely different reasons. Many mainstream hospitals would not treat Chinese people. And some of them, if you actually admit it to the hospital, and they charge them more, more taxes and more fees. Jen Zhang is the CEO of the San Francisco Chinese Hospital. Like other groups, Chinese gold hunters came to California seeking fortune. Later, they worked on the railroads and in agriculture. They worked incredibly hard, but when they got sick, racism often prevented them from getting care. They were blamed for spreading uh, diseases. Leaders in the Chinese community had been asking for healthcare services from the city since the 1850s with no results. By the 1880s, the Chinese population had grown to almost 22,000 and the largest racial minority in the city at the time. The community wanted to open a hospital outside of Chinatown, but the white residents living there protested with racist claims that a Chinese hospital would lower their property values. The protesters got their way, forcing the Chinese community to build the medical center in Chinatown instead. The Tunghua Dispensary opened in 1900 and pioneered a blend of Eastern and Western medical practices. Western medicine focused on disease more. The Chinese medicine focused more on holistic care. That first clinic was destroyed in the 1906 earthquake and fire. The community started fundraising to once again build their own hospital. They got donations from all over the country and world. The first and only Chinese hospital in the United States opened in 1925 with 60 beds. It served anyone who needed care, regardless of income. The community celebrated for 11 days, even crowning a festival queen. Newspapers of the time described the festivities. The ceremony, which opens the Chinese festival for benefit of the Chinese hospital, will be preceded by a fantastic parade, which will wind in brilliant gallantry from the Chinese Six Companies, 843 Stockton Street, to the native sons of the Golden Gate Hall, where a grand ball will be held. It meant a lot to them. And to me, too, nowadays, Chinese hospital is not just a hospital to me. It really is a very much part of Chinese-American history. So we've answered the first part of Ken's question. Early San Francisco hospitals were associated with religious and ethnic groups because each group was essentially taking care of its own when the city had few reliable public services. As to why that changed with time, some of it has to do with how expensive it was to run these small hospitals. Many of them had more patients who could not pay than those that could. The Mount Zion Hospital administrators were constantly looking for creative ways to balance the books, says Judy Leff. You see there these careful notes of like, well, we spent, you know, $14 on potatoes in January of 1881, you know, because they're desperate to control their costs. 
Over several decades, hospitals transitioned from supporting people without families to becoming professionalized institutions for medicine. Global events like World War I and the 1918 flu pandemic sped up the process. Soon, cities saw it as a point of civic pride to have a good hospital. Most of the original hospitals have lost their ethnic affiliation by now. The French hospital is part of Kaiser. The German hospital is CPMC Davies. Mount Zion is part of UCSF. But Chinese hospital remains. Sadly, the racism and exclusion that gave rise to it originally still exists. When the coronavirus pandemic began, some people blamed the Chinese community, even targeting them with violence. I feel that, like when my employees are attacked, uh, she was in the bus and, and sitting there. In a sudden, she, he was hit by this guy and, and, and yelled at her, uh, get the hell back to China. It's like, what is people's problem? Yeah, anti-Asian hate crime is so real. Now, as much as ever, Chinese hospital is a haven for many. Oh, it is. Like our lobby, and you will see community people coming in with a newspaper. It's a community um, place for, for, for them. So it's safe, right? And crucially, at Chinese hospital, people still get care face-to-face. No telehealth translators to deal with. I mean, think about it if you can go in and talk to a provider who can speak your language, right, and understand your culture. It makes a huge difference. I think that um, that's what a lot of patients told me and a lot of doctors told me, too. Chinese hospital doctors don't dismiss non-Western health beliefs. In Chinese medicine, for example, the relationship between food and health is strong. So changes to dietary regimen are often the first prescription. So the culture uh, part is very important to this community, but it's a lot more than just language itself. In the 1970s, state inspectors found the original Chinese hospital building needed urgent earthquake retrofits. Rose Pack, a legendary community activist, led yet another fundraising effort to quickly convert an outpatient building into a hospital. In 2016, the community built a new, modern hospital on the same spot as the original 1925 building. We still have a lot of monolingual immigrants and low-income living in Chinatown. And uh, although though nowadays Chinese hospital is not serving just the Chinatown residents, we serve uh, people all over. All right. Well, thanks for looking into this for us, Katrina. I was happy to. I learned a lot. That was Bay Curious producer Katrina Schwartz. Thanks to April Domboski, Kiana Mogadam, and Jen Xian for their help with that story. We've got a new voting roundup at baycurious.org, which means you can help us decide which story to start working on next. Here are your options for this month. First, what was the City of Paris department store in San Francisco? And why did the brand fall out of fashion? Two, what's with the goats often found grazing on East Bay Hills? Or three, was there once a plan to develop more land on the peninsula? Vote for the question you most want answered at baycurious.org. The Bay Curious team is Katrina Schwartz, Brendan Willard, and me, Olivia Allen Price. Our show is made in San Francisco at member-supported KQED. Have a great week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? 
Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.